Taiwan will establish a representative office in Lithuania. The foreign minister made the announcement on Tuesday, saying it will be called the Taiwanese Representative Office in Lithuania. This mission will be the second in the world to feature the word Taiwan in its official name. After close negotiations, the governments of Taiwan and Lithuania have mutually agreed for Taiwan to establish a representative office in Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania. The office's name will be the Taiwanese Representative Office in Lithuania. In a rare move, the foreign minister presided over a press conference to announce the news. Taiwan will soon establish a representative office in Lithuania, and its official name will include the word Taiwan. On social media, President Tsai Ing-wen called the development a major diplomatic breakthrough, adding that Lithuania also planned to establish a representative office in Taiwan this coming autumn. She said the mutual offices would further deepen the friendship between the two sides. The government of Lithuania has already announced the good news that it will establish a representative office in Taiwan this autumn. The new office in Lithuania will be the first representative office we've established in Europe since the founding of our office in Slovakia in 2003, 18 years ago. The new representative office shows Taiwan's resolve to substantially expand ties with European countries. Located in Northeast Europe, Lithuania is one of the three Baltic states, together with Estonia and Latvia. The country spans 65,300 square kilometers, making it about 1.8 times larger than Taiwan, and it has a population of approximately 2.8 million. Lithuania is a member state of the OECD, the EU and NATO, and it has a strong industrial sector. In 2021, the capital Vilnius placed 24th in the Global Cities of the Future ranking compiled by the Foreign Direct Investment Monitoring Service of the Financial Times newspaper. Earlier this year, Taiwan donated 100,000 face masks to the country, which was later reciprocated with a donation of 20,000 vaccines for Taiwan. Officials say the new office reflects Taiwan's deeper ties with Europe. Besides the recent Somaliland office, which also uses the word Taiwan, all other offices use the word Taipei instead for historical reasons. So the fact that this will be called the Taiwanese Representative Office is of great import. Somaliland does not have diplomatic relations with China, but Lithuania does have official relations with the People's Republic of China. This quasi-official diplomatic development, depending on China's official diplomatic ties with Lithuania, we may have ways to slowly progress toward bilateral recognition. Officials say the new office represents an important breakthrough for Taiwan's diplomatic relations. The foreign minister did not state when the office will be opened, but said the news would be announced at the right time. Well, 18 local cases were reported on Tuesday, and only five of them had an unknown source of infection. The health minister said that most of the recent infection clusters had emerged from families. He also noted that COVID cases have been getting younger. Last week, more than 40 percent of new cases were between 20 and 39 years old. Local governments have been instructed to ramp up COVID awareness among young adults. Today, we have 18 local cases, nine of them tested positive during isolation. 
The CCC reported four deaths and 24 cases, including those from overseas. In a promising sign, only five of the cases had an unknown source of infection. But the CCC also noted that the cases were trending younger. The cluster infections from the last two weeks have primarily been family clusters. The age of confirmed cases is going down. Local governments have been asked to promote key COVID guidelines among younger people and to strengthen safeguards against community transmission. Between July 4th and July 10th, 28% of all cases were between 20 and 39 years old. But between July 11th and July 17th, the rate had risen to 43%. As of Tuesday, vaccine appointments can be made by people in the 6th, 8th, 9th and 10th priority groups, as well as all adults 48 and older. About 1.7 million people can expect a text alert, informing them that they can book their shots. But some younger adults say they've gotten text alerts too. They are in the ninth priority group and don't know it. They may have been diagnosed with a designated condition but forgot about it. So far in the vaccination campaign, 5.41 million doses have been administered for coverage of 22.48%. The third round of vaccination is set to start Friday as a typhoon makes its closest approach. The CCC says that if class and work are cancelled due to the storm, the local vaccine station will close up too. People who don't get a vaccine due to closures will be allowed to book again the next time appointments are available. The CCC also took questions on whether it will declare a reopening next week. Right now, we do not want to reopen. We may downgrade the alert, but face masks, social distancing and frequent hand washing are guidelines we will not change. If the COVID alert must be raised again, we will announce that. Once there is community spread, it is very difficult to go back down to zero cases. There is a relatively low chance of that. The CECC said that a greater easing of COVID rules is possible so long as the epidemic does not expand. It said it will work with local governments to form guidelines for loosening restrictions. Following its emergency use approval, Medigen's COVID-19 vaccine has stirred up a media buzz. Its lab data shows that it can generate 3.4 times the antibodies produced by AstraZeneca. But on Tuesday, an expert said that doesn't mean Medigen's shot is three times more effective than AstraZeneca's. The FDA has approved Medigen's COVID vaccine candidate for emergency use and mass production. Premier Su Zhenchang says the government respects the decision reached by the panel of experts. At the meeting held the day before, a large proportion of experts voted in favor of approval. The government respects the experts' decision. We've asked the FDA to handle the matter in accordance with the specialized procedures. Data submitted to the FDA show that the vaccine generates antibodies at a level 3.4 times higher than two doses of AstraZeneca, that far exceeds the required 0.67. Meanwhile, the seroresponse rate in Medigen vaccine recipients was 95.5 percent, higher than the required 50 percent. 
Following a review of the data, a panel of experts voted to grant emergency use authorization. But an expert from the Academia Sinica Institute of Biomedical Sciences warns that antibody levels do not directly equate to the vaccine's actual protective effect. We know that neutralizing antibodies do have a protective effect. We know that. We also know that there is a positive correlation between antibody levels and protection against disease. But it's not a one-to-one -one correlation. That is to say, generating three times as many antibodies does not mean the protective effect will be three times stronger. There is a positive correlation. These standards are just to be used for the approval process so that we can use the vaccine. Taiwan is the first country in the world to grant EUA via the immunobridging approach. Experts say phase three trials are still key to determining whether efficacy inferred using lab data will translate to real world protection. It's a protein subunit vaccine, so basically we don't need to worry too much about its safety. But we do have to continue monitoring it, and we have to find a way to get numbers on its protective efficacy. There are only two ways to go about it. The first is to go overseas and do a phase three trial. The other way is to try to do some post-market research domestically to see if the vaccine can achieve protection. Infectious diseases expert Huang Liming said that protein subunit vaccines tend to be safe. A small quantity of Medigen's vaccine is expected to roll out as early as August. Another domestic biotech firm, United Biomedical, has its own COVID vaccine candidate pending EUA review. It aims to launch the vaccine by the second half of next month. With the uh, epidemic easing, the reopening of nurseries is giving Taipei parents an another option for childcare. In Taiwan's capital city, daycares for children up to two years old were allowed to reopen on Tuesday, provided that a slate of COVID precautions is taken. Early Tuesday morning, this daycare is greeted by eager parents here to drop off their kids before going to work. They're lined up in an orderly fashion straight up to the door. In Taipei City, public nurseries reopened on Tuesday, giving parents a welcome reprieve. The main issue is that there is nobody at home, so we had to ask my mother-in-law to help, and we had to take disease prevention childcare leave. Or we bother our relatives with requests to help out last minute. So I signed up for this right away. Working from home while looking after a kid takes a lot of effort. So for families with two working parents, this is a great help. These early childhood educators are armed with face masks and visors. As they look after children aged up to two years old, there's no precaution too small. According to city regulations, all childcare workers must be vaccinated or show proof of a negative PCR test within three days of returning to work. Each nursery is restricted to half capacity, and priority goes to children of frontline workers or two working parents. We were all vaccinated two weeks ago. In addition, we were all specially tested yesterday. The entire staff received PCR testing, and the results were all negative. The Department of Social Welfare requires a teacher-student ratio of 1 to 3. We are going beyond the Department of Social Welfare requirement. Our ratio is 1 to 2. 
at this nursery center, each teacher used to mind five children, but now looks after two. With only 23 places available, this center is fully booked. 10% of the intake is children or frontline workers. The majority comes from double-income households. With the pandemic stretching on, many parents are struggling to juggle family and work. In Taipei, the reopening of nurseries is making it a little bit easier on mom and dad. Two major storms are churning nearby and are expected to bring rain in the coming days. Tropical storm Chempaka strengthened into a typhoon Tuesday morning. And tropical storm Infa has been upgraded to a severe tropical storm. The Central Weather Bureau says a sea warning may be issued as early as Wednesday morning. Coastal areas of northern and eastern Taiwan, including Green Island, Orchid Island and the Hengchun Peninsula, as well as the Mazu Islands, may see large swells from today to Saturday and Sunday. Starting Wednesday noon, coastal areas in the western half, the northeast and Mazu and Penghu could experience wind gusts measuring 8 to 9 on the Beaufort scale. Meanwhile, Typhoon Chempaka will merge with the low-pressure currents. So we project that southwesterly winds from the southern side of the depression will start to impact the weather starting Sunday. Starting Thursday, severe tropical storm Yinfa will bring gusty winds and heavy showers. Its strongest effects will be felt Friday and Saturday when its periphery will make its closest approach, possibly entering northeastern Taiwan. As for Typhoon Chempaka, it's currently located west-southwest of Hong Kong. Although it won't affect Taiwan, it could drive southwesterly winds closer, which would bring heavy showers to windward areas lasting until next Wednesday. Typhoon Infa is approaching, and it could mean a day off work for people in heavily affected areas. But if you're working from home, you're out of luck. The Ministry of Labor has announced that typhoon days don't apply to remote workers. The ministry says that remote workers have a unique arrangement that lets them safely continue working even when the weather is inclement. Therefore, those who insist on taking that typhoon holiday can be marked absent by their employers. Hank Young, hailed as Taiwan's fastest man, is heading to his first Olympics. The sprinter delighted fans in 2017 by winning gold in the 100 meters at the Universiade. But sprinting is not historically Taiwan's strong suit, and Yang will face fierce competition in Tokyo. Let's take a moment to review his triumphs and disappointments over the years. Yang's gold in the men's 100 meters at Taipei's 2017 Universiade inspired athletics fever across the nation and won him the moniker Taiwan's fastest man. Now 24, Yang is still one of Taiwan's few top sprinters. His 100 meters in 10.11 seconds is the national record. Having managed to squeeze through the Olympic qualifiers, he'll be the first Taiwanese sprinter in the 100 meters in 25 years. I think I've been working hard for so long. From last time when I almost got into the Olympics to this time when I've won the right to participate. I'm so happy, and I feel validated. I can push my results up into a new level. Young's clocked up many astonishing times in recent years, including gold in the 200 meters and bronze in the 100 meters at the 2017 Asian Athletics Championships. He was the first Taiwanese track and field athlete ever to win gold at the Universiade. But his crowning glory, as well as most poignant disappointment, came together in the 2018 Jakarta Palembang Asian Games. Look at this, Yang, 
and Koika. Can Yang hang on? Yang, I think, takes it. Yang and Yuki Koiki of Japan crossed the finish line almost simultaneously. Koiki was pronounced the winner by just 0.02 of a second after high-speed cameras were consulted. But Yang's time of 20.23 seconds was still a national record, garnering Taiwan's first 200 meters Asian Games medal and causing many tears off the track. I think I'm an athlete who demands quite a lot of himself. So even though I got a medal today and I broke the national record, I feel like I didn't achieve what I wanted and it's not a great result. Now Yang is heading to the Olympics for the first time. The competition will be very intense, but Taiwan's fastest man is ready to set new records for himself and for the country. An up-and-coming cafe chain has shocked industry insiders by opening a new flagship store in Taipei. With many restaurants and cafes going out of business, there are few coffee shops expanding right now. But this chain, which is partnered with Taiwan's top roasting company, hopes to buck the trend. They've just acquired a prime Taipei location uh, that viewers might recognize as a former Starbucks. The food and drink industry is not having an easy time with COVID. But one coffee shop chain still has plenty of ambition. It's opened a new flagship store right here in the Golden Cafe Zone in Taipei's Zhongshan District. This location is probably familiar to lots of Taipei viewers. For over 20 years, it was a popular Starbucks. After one and a half years vacant, the space has found a new owner. It's another coffee shop, but the price point is lower this time. And due to COVID, currently there's only takeout and delivery on offer. But customers are queuing round the block. The cafe owner splashed 5 million NT on the interior decor. A Japan-trained designer created this totally white layout for the 60-ping space, forming a two-floor minimalist coffee temple. Rent is almost 500 NT a month in an area of mixed residential and business zones. Before COVID, it was the top Taipei destination for tourists from Japan. They're going against the tide by opening a flagship store before COVID has completely calmed down. That will have the effect of attracting media attention and discussion. So even before they open for eating in, customers have already got their appetites wetted. This is Taipei's Coffee Shop Central. In just one square kilometer, we counted at least 15 coffee shops. Establishing a foothold won't be easy. They have to go back to strengthening the business model and the operational and managerial capacities of the leadership. That's the only way to grow the market and successfully cause a market reshuffle. Behind the chain is Taiwan's biggest coffee roasting company. Since stepping into the cafe business three years ago, they've opened seven stores and plan to launch two more before the year is out. So how much are you willing to spend on fruit? For, uh, well, for one Taiwanese businessman, the answer is 11,000 NT dollars. That's incredible, for one grape. Last Friday, this fruit connoisseur bought eight bunches of grapes at a Japanese auction. He paid about 1.4 million yen. That's about 350,000 NT dollars for each bunch of about 30 grapes. Then he turned around and put them on sale here in Taiwan at this high-end supermarket chain. They sold out instantly despite their astronomical price. 
The ultra-luxury grapes are Ruby Romans, also known as the Hermes of grapes. They're extremely sweet and juicy and about the size of a ping-pong ball. The Ruby Roman was developed over 14 years by Japan's Ishikawa Agricultural Research Center. It's produced in limited quantities each year with strict requirements on size and sweetness.